The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Okay, I'm going to say right up front, if I spoiler alert a movie for you this morning, it's because it's been over 10 years. I'm a firm believer that if a movie has been out for more than 10 years and you haven't seen it and I spoiler alert you, that one's on you, not me. So I, I need some favorite stories. What are some of your favorite stories? Any, it could be a movie, it could be a book. I just need some of them that, that I might know of. Anyone got a story? King Arthur. Now that one, is, is, that one could be unique because it's been told so many different ways, right? King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, Lancelot maybe has an affair with Guinevere, maybe doesn't. Maybe Merlin is a teenage boy. Maybe he's an old man, depending on which series you watch. Okay, what else do we got? What was that? Forrest Gump. You guys, when I lived in the Big Island of Hawaii, I worked um, at Bubba Gump's, which some of you know. It was my favorite job of every job, bar none, including this one. Um, (laughs) Bar none. Uh, Because it was on the water of Kona, and there were fish, and you would throw crackers out there to them, and they would come up. Now, Forrest Gump is an amazing story. Um, Spoiler alert, like, everybody dies. Now, if you don't know that by now, like, you're in some serious trouble. Now, there is some goodness in the end of that movie. But, like, Jenny, I mean, poor sweet Jenny in that movie. Spoiler alert, she dead. Yeah. Okay, uh, Star Wars, great, great movie. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the all-time greats, one of the all-time greats. And it still astonishes me that it took until Pitch Perfect came out for us to all realize that Darth Vader means the father in a language. So... The, for, the, for those of us who grew up before, um, and I don't know what age that is. It's, it's my age for sure. I don't know what age it stops at. So the original Star Wars movies are the only real ones, for those of you people who are younger. If your first introduction to Star Wars had a big floppy-eared guy named Jar Jar Binks, you have been misled in life. You've, you've followed a cult. Um, the true cult is Star Wars, where you discover this. Now, if you haven't seen Star Wars, just give me a break. That Darth Vader is, is Luke's dad. I mean, if you didn't know that by now, you're in a bad way. Um, Now, it was interesting. I was thinking about our text this morning. We're in Mark chapter 8, going into 9. And and one of the things that we don't get in our culture very often are radical twists in stories. Now, this passage this morning is a radical twist. It's a radical twist because none of the Jewish people would have seen this coming, even though in the Bible there were... Uh, stories pointing toward the death of Jesus on the cross, the death of the Messiah or a servant specifically. Now, it would be weird. It'd be weird for, for a movie, like a big production movie, to have a crazy twist at the end. It'd be weird if, if Frodo never made it, right? Like if Sauron just got the ring and Frodo dies and everyone dies in Middle Earth. That would be sad. Sorry. Spoiler alert. It would be weird. It'd be weird if uh, we got shocked more often. And here's how I know this. There was one movie that came out that wasn't super popular, but it kind of shocked our culture for those people that saw it. It was the movie The Sixth Sense. Remember that? I see dead people. And we're all in. All of us are all in the movie. Ooh, ooh, he sees dead people. And all of us are so dumb, we didn't think about the fact that Bruce Willis was dead the whole movie. And then it happens, and you're like, dude, you got me so good. M. Night Shyamalan or whoever did that movie. Now, 
Last week, Jesus says, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, some people say you're this, some people say you're that. I say you're the Christ, the anointed one. This week, it turns real quick. Because in the mind of the disciples, the Messiah, the anointed one, was to ride up to, to get power on a throne, overthrow evil and darkness from a throne. He was to conquer. And in their mind, there was only one way that conquering could be done. Because in our world, there's generally one way that conquering is done, by power and by force. But that is not how Jesus came to conquer and that's what we're going to jump into today. So we're going to pray and then read our text. Father, as we approach your word this morning, it's hard for us. Lord, most of us here are non-Jewish raised people. We don't have the same feeling that the followers of Jesus would have had when he said what he's about to say in this text. Lord, their world got flipped upside down. They got six sensed. In this moment, help us to understand why you sent your son and why he had to die for us. Help us to understand how we, Lord, likewise find life as we lose ourselves in you. Jesus, we need your help this morning. Spirit of God, we need you to speak to us this morning. Be powerful. Through this word, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Peter says, you are the Christ. You have to understand, he's saying, you are the fairy tale that my mom told me about growing up. You are the one who's going to take over and win. And then Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this. In verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. So right after, Peter says, you are the one that I've been waiting for my whole life. You're the one I've heard all the stories about. Then he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's the same word. It's a very strong word. It's the same word that Jesus that is used every time Jesus cast out a demonic presence from somebody. It says he rebukes the spirit. Peter rebukes Jesus. That's bold. And, and here's, here's what you have to understand. Okay, I'm going to use Jesse because he always sits in the front, so he's a good case study for me. Jesse is a Star Wars nerd, okay? If we were out and about somewhere, and I was telling someone the story of Star Wars that had never seen Star Wars, they'd never seen it, and I was telling someone, yeah, they have these lightsabers, and they're like big glow sticks. And Darth Vader, he's actually a good guy. He's a good guy, disguised as bad guy, maybe going to become a good guy. And Luke, nobody likes Luke. You want to know what the best Star Wars is? The one with Jar Jar Binks. That's the greatest Star Wars of all time. The guy who was from Taken is also a Jedi Master. Now, what would you start doing if I started botching Star Wars facts? Would you correct me? Would you just let it ride? You would correct me. <laughs> you'd, you'd be like, no, no, no. It's not lightsabers. It's, like it's more like a laser-cutting weapon of mass destruction. And if I said the force is like this thing where you play mind games on people, what would you say? No. The force is, is a hijacking of Eastern religion, and it's, never mind, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, 
but it's a thing, okay? Because stories that we've heard growing up, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty got up and walked away. It doesn't make sense. The three little pigs got eaten by the wolf first day. Story over. I mean, so many stories can be told so much faster. But we've been raised on these stories. The story Peter was raised on was one day a Messiah will come and he will sit on a throne and conquer evil and sin and death forever. And because we are humans, we only see it through one lens. Conquering must come through power and acquisition of it. Because we look around and we see it today. When two people disagree, how do they handle their disagreement? I mean, some might say we lived in a very civilized country. We're so civilized, you guys. We have only two political parties, and all we can do is scream at each other. I despised the last election. I'm despising the next one, and it's not even close to here yet. Every election, my goal is for Republican to leave the chapel and say, you're far too liberal for me. And then the following week, to have a Democrat leave the chapel and say, you're far too conservative for me. Because we're not here to talk about these things, but it's the narrative of power in our country is this. If I want my way, I will scream it over you. I will exert my will upon you until you buckle to me. And we have to be honest, no matter where you stand, isn't watching President Trump a riot? <laughs> I mean, I don't care what side of the political aisle you on. I'm having a great time following. That's the only reason I go on Twitter in the morning. Because it's this constant power clashes. Jesus says, I'm, the Son of Man came to suffer many things, to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, to be killed, and three days later rise again. Peter says, stop! You're ruining everything I know. And that's why Jesus' statement is so strong. You know you've gone from good guy to bad guy when in the paragraph before, Jesus says, you nailed it. You figured out who I am. And literally, a few sentences later, Jesus says to that same guy, get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The things of God seem so contrary because it wasn't in the stories that, that they would have grown up on. Now, don't get me wrong. It is in the Old Testament. If you read Psalm 22 and you look at what happened to Jesus, it's amazing at how something written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before could line up. And if you read Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 44, you see these prophecies about what is to come in the life of Jesus. How he is supposed to die and suffer. And things that were outside of his control. You can't control the way that you're killed. You can't control whether someone gambles over your outer garments. But these were prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the death of Jesus. This was all part of God's plan. God's plan was for Jesus, the Son of God, to enter into a human body. He existed before. He was born in through Mary. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserve to die, and he rose again and ascended to heaven, and one day he will return. This was all part of God's plan. God isn't making this up on the fly. He has a specific reason. And the question should be why. Why, A, this is a question I've asked myself many, many times, read many books, why did Jesus have to die? 
Why couldn't he have just come in and conquered? Why couldn't Jesus just simply come in and wipe out sin, set up a kingdom, and it's all good? No more brokenness and pain. Like this thing that I'm wearing, the iWalk 2.0. I love it. By the way, it's mislabeled. It should be called the iHobble 1.0. Um, you can't walk in this thing. You just kind of peg around. It, I can't wait for a day when this doesn't have to happen anymore. My doctor said, well, now that you ruptured one, I just need you to know that your other one is probably equally as weak as that one was. And I'm like, geez, thanks, doc. By the way, this is the first doctor, my surgeon for this, first doctor I ever had, and some of you might have had this experience where I looked at him, and I straight up asked him, like, no shame. I said, doctor, how old are you? Because I thought he could have been my child. Like, he just, like, did, I didn't know if he shaved yet. I don't know if you guys have had that experience. I think I'm mid this is a midlife crisis moment for me. Ruptured Achilles, doctor looks like Doogie Hauser. I'm wearing eye hobble 1.2. But in the midst, in the midst of this idea, why did Jesus have to die? Why didn't he just conquer? It, it's going to come, it's going to come full circle in a second. Let's keep reading. Verse 34. He says, get behind me, Satan. And he, he calls the crowds to him because he's like, okay, someone's not getting it. I'm going to get, let's get the, everyone in here. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. When I say cross, we all think of something like this, right? Where'd the, there you go, over there, there's a cross. Your wood cross, some of you are wearing a cross necklace. You wear it on Sunday so Jesus loves you extra. Um, I've said this before, it's, it's weird to me. The cross was a very negative stigma in the Bible. I don't know if we have the same stigma today of any particular symbol. It, it's more than wearing an electric chair necklace around your neck. I mean, that'd be weird. It'd be very appropriate for southern states, I suppose. Um, it'd be weird to wear some method of, of killing people, of capital punishment. Like you wear a syringe that just says, like, I support the death penalty. And you just walk into Publix with that one on. Like, just tell me how it goes. Please, somebody do it. Like, have your, have your wife or husband, like, just Instagram story that thing for me. And then tag me in it. The cross was a place where it's not as romanticized as we see in the movies. Jesus was likely not as attractive physically as Jim Caviezel or the remake of The Jesus Guy. Like, the newest Jesus movie, he's a male model. Can't stand it when they cast Jesus as a male model. Because it says in the Bible, nothing would have attracted us to him. He would be somebody that you would just walk right by. Yet every time we see Jesus, it's Jim Caviezel. It's this guy straight out of a Calvin Klein ad, but he's got a robe on. The cross wasn't something. Now, I think the passion gets it as close as it can. 
It was brutal. I watch it every Easter, and like every time Easter's coming up, I start getting nervous that I have to watch it, and I don't have to, but I've, for me, I want to, but I get nervous. I get clammy hands thinking about Jim Caviezel dying again this year. Like I, it's, it's getting me a little freaked out about it. It was a total shame. You were stripped, oftentimes naked. You were hung in a tree which was considered a curse. It was cursed. This is why Peter said, Jesus, this is not the way the story ends. And Jesus is saying, no, this is how it's got to end. Because of God's upside-down kingdom. If you haven't noticed by now, Jesus, in, in the plans of God, does so many things backwards. He doesn't go to the rich and powerful. He goes to the poor and outcast. He doesn't come to just claim a throne with an army. He comes to claim a throne by way of a cross. It is only, it is only by dying that he could absorb the penalty for our sins. Let me explain. How many, uh, I won't do this. Some of us in here are grudge holders, right? You might be married to one. If you're thinking, no, I don't think I am married to one. You are one. Okay? Um, you're good at it. You don't like forgiveness. Some of you are allergic to the word, I'm sorry, I apologize. Like, just having it come out of your mouth tastes like Brussels sprouts without bacon grease. Okay? Forgiveness, forgiveness costs something. And we say all the time in churches, salvation is free. Jesus is free. It's a free gift. That's what grace means, a free favor of God, which is true. Free to us, but it's not free in general. It costs a lot. Uh, let me explain how forgiveness works. Um, we, we know this. If somebody comes over to your house and they knock over a lamp, and it was like your favorite lamp, uh, you, you eyeballed this lamp because you were binge-watching Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines, and you bought it on that website, Magnolia. If you know what I'm talking about, it's because you've been injured lately, too. Um, <laughs> and, and you get this lamp from this site, and it's, it's beautiful. It looks like a piece of art. It just shines a light. Someone comes over, and these lamps nowadays, they're not cheap. You know, they knock it over, pop, pop. And I just paid $75 for that lamp. Now, here's, here's what can happen. Your friend can say, I'm so sorry, I broke your lamp, let me pay for that lamp. Because there has to be a reckoning because something went wrong. Or your friend could say, that wasn't my fault, your cat bumped my leg, in which case if you own a cat you deserve to have your lamp broken. But anyway, that's a bad metaphor. Um, it wasn't was my fault, I backed into it. And you say, no, no, it's okay, don't worry about it. But when you said don't worry about it, what just happened? You just absorbed what? The cost of the lamp. Either you've got to pay $75, someone else has got to pay $75, or you have to have $75 of less lamp in your, li in your life. There's a loss somewhere. Now, that's a basic human example. In the cosmic level, there's been lamps broken by you and me. There's been grievances had and there's a payment required. Now, you can try to pay it. I don't recommend that. We call that religion. 
We call that leveraging guilt and shame and fear to motivate people, saying, if you want to have a right relationship with God, if you want to have forgiveness, the record has to be settled. Now, this is why it's so easy for certain religions to drum up a ton of money. This is why uh, particular religions, including Christianity, get people that flood in on Easter and Christmas. Because even if you don't go every week or once a month, if you just squeeze in that bare minimum Jesus, it might be just enough to squeak you through so you don't end up in the hot place. That's religion. This is why Jesus had to die and not just go directly to a throne. Because the price was a life for a life. We learned that in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve disobey. They cover themselves with fig leaves. By the time they left, God had covered them with animal skins. There's a lesson in there that something had a, a life for a life. A perfect, blameless life has to cover a life that is full of blame, full of wrongdoing, full of broken lamps. When Jesus died, he became what they call in the old church, the high church, Christus Exemplus. He showed us how to live in the way that he died. And that's why this passage that we're, many of us are, might be familiar with, if you want to follow Jesus, deny yourself and take up your cross. Because if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, good, it shouldn't. That is about as much making sense as Common Core was two years ago. If you want to save your life, lose it. If you lose your life, you save it. I think I get it. Here's what's difficult. Every one of us in this room, if you want to follow Jesus, it's not about adding Jesus into your life. You don't say, okay, I've got this thing that's amazing in my life, and this thing now I'm gonna, I need Jesus. I need Jesus because my six-year-old is acting up. I need Jesus because I just lost my job. I need Jesus because if I don't get him in here some, somehow, all the Christians are going to keep bugging me. I tell, I'll tell you what, if you want to be left alone in the South, or the, the Florida pseudo-South, you just need to have a home church. You tell people you believe in Jesus so the Christian people don't bug you. You say, ah, I got a church. It's one of these 17 on Boyette Road. You're like, oh, great. Don't need to lead you to Jesus. The difficulty is that this idea of following Jesus, it's not just an add-on. And our culture makes it so easy to just add on. To deny yourself and take up your cross means to say, I'm going to be laid open. There's nothing left for me here. Nothing left. My job, my family, my friends, my things, my eye walk, my car, nothing Jesus, you do whatever you want. Now, if you can't say that prayer yet, it's because the other side of the equation hasn't dropped. The penny of the good news of Jesus hasn't dropped from your head to your heart. That Jesus said, I came to give everything for you. This is the way that life in me works. If you want to understand what you were wired to do, if you want to live your human experience the way it was supposed to be lived, it's this way. Deny yourself and follow me. Take up your cross. Put to death the things of your life that give you a sense of identity and worth and value. Put to death the idea that you have to achieve something or get this much money or have this type of retirement or have this type of home. Put those things to death and say, I will follow Jesus no matter what. My favorite thing to do, one of my favorite activities, is for my mother-in-law to visit. Um, 
because I, my mother and father-in-law, Charlie, the guy that was up here threatening to push me over, um, it's so cool because they've followed Jesus longer than I've been alive. How long have you guys been Christians for again? I mean, you guys are like pushing like 50 years old. So let's say you've been following, you've been following Jesus for 60 plus years. Okay, I'm 38 this month. So you've been following Jesus a long time. Now what happens in, in any culture is that you learn to say thir- certain things, talk certain ways. I, I didn't grow up uh, Baptist. Thanks, Mom. Dodged a bullet for me. <laughs> Sorry, Edwin. Uh, I didn't grow up in, in a story that geared me a certain way, but I love it. You guys, I love, I love that I married my wife. She brings such a different angle of Christianity to me that I never experienced. I love having my father and mother-in-law who have walked in Jesus for over 60 years. But it's interesting because I hear things because the the way that I learned the Bible was just consuming it for myself. And so then I hear Christianity as it's come through the filters. And I think, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right to me, certain things. Like that we treat this like some sort of club. It doesn't sound right to me. Jesus says, die on a cross, and then follow me. A, Jesus, how do I follow you if I'm dead? B, what does that mean for life in suburbia? C, can I just kill part of my life, or do I have to kill all of my life? And then D, what do you mean? If I lose myself, then I find myself. Because that's what this comes down to in the very end of it. Certain things are just made to fit. I need you to try to get rid of all the preconceptions of what you think it means to be a Christian. It's it's more than Sundays. It's more than singing. As a matter of fact, I think that we might sometimes in these moments end up being less Christian and more religious because you're looking for a principle to walk out of here and apply and not a news to wash over you and give you freedom for your soul. Some things fit perfectly. The first time you get a comfort band wedding ring, that's money. Some of you guys that were born or have been walking with Jesus for like 60 years, you don't even know what comfort bands are. You guys, there's ring technology, makes rings slide on like melted butter. Some of you right now are wearing these old school rings. Charlie's wearing a washer from a 1920s Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) It's his wedding band. (laughs) It's $12 because he invests all of his love into his wife. <laughs> Saved you, buddy. You owe me one later. Um, some things just, just fit together. The hardest part for us to understand is that if you learn to let go of your life, it will feel terrifying. If you say, I don't need money, I don't need this achievement, I don't need this award, I don't need my child to be this way, I don't need my spouse to be that way, I don't need someone to look at my appearance and think a certain thing when they see me, when I can finally just let it go, it will feel so terrifying, but it's in that moment where you can let those things go that you're free to grab onto the one thing that matters most, the one thing that actually fits in your life. Some of you will know what I mean in the small earth semblance of a way because some of you found the perfect person for you. Some of you I know because I've been pastoring long enough to know that not every marriage is perfect. 
I know that some of you feel like this is not perfect. Some of you have gone through horrendous, pain-filled, relationship-ending things. You know, this doesn't fit. When you finally learn to let go of all of your own ambitions for yourself, when you finally let go of what we call in Christianity, you being on the throne, when we finally listen to that stinking Carrie Underwood song from 10 years ago, spoiler alert, Jesus, take the friggin' wheel. My favorite meme is the one where there's someone in a car and one of the wheels of the car fell off and it says, not that wheel, Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. Until you learn to let go of trying to accumulate for yourself, you're going to buckle under pressures of meeting the acceptance of others. You're going to look in the mirror and say, how can, I, how can I make myself better so that I can be more loved? Because at the end of the day, we all want to be loved. We all want to be embraced unconditionally. No human can do it perfectly. There's only one unconditional love I've ever experienced or seen in my life. It's the love of Jesus for us, which is why he had to die. Jesus gave his life expecting nothing from us. Now we are called to give our lives, poured out, as we follow him. It's pretty freeing when you can get a taste of unconditional love. We all dole it out in our day-to-days, loving without conditions, but all of us have conditions. We wire it in. We love until we're slighted to a certain point, and then love begins to degrade. Even with our children, we have conditions. Some of you say, no, no, unconditional love. There's probably conditions, right? Some of you who have adult kids are like, I got all the conditions. I write contracts for my kids, legal ones. At my age, phase of parenting, all of the conditions are based on grounding and timeouts and disciplines. If you do this, you get this. If you do that, you get that. My son Jackson has been mouthy lately. I play this Fortnite game with him, especially while I'm, uh, I hobble. And, uh, and he'll be like, ooh, he'll like do something, he'll, he'll shoot me or something, be like, ooh, daddy, your, your Fortnite skills are trash. That's what these kids say. And what dad says, you're grounded, I'm locking your computer right now. <laughs> I have conditions in my heart. Jesus said, I, I see exactly where you are. I see the dirtiest, darkest, most disgusting pieces of you. I see them with crystal clear vision. And I'm still going to die for you. I don't know that if we saw everyone in here with crystal clear vision, we would even come back another day. I think if you saw crystal clear vision, anyone in this room, that'd be like one life to live. And General Hospital had a baby, big soap opera baby inside your mind. As you can tell, I've been sitting around doing a lot of useless things. <laughs> if you want to find out how you truly exist, if you want to find out what fits for you, rest in the unconditional love of Jesus, that he died to pay for the things you couldn't pay for so that forgiveness could be purchased by his blood. That's the, the broken lamps. Follow him in such a way where you can finally let go of these things that have been crippling you with worry and anxiety and fear and this desire to be loved by others because you have all of the love you need in the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you believe it and embrace it by faith, it is yours. It's a free gift. It's in this moment that you understand, reading the Old Testament, that the stories they have in the Old Testament of 
this suffering servant that the Jews didn't know what to do with and the stories they have in the Old Testament of the Son of Man who's going to be the victorious king. Jesus is the first person that put these together and said, the Son of Man, the king, is the suffering servant. Peter, you need to see this because it's about to happen. Everything you thought was is different. The suffering servant is going to get to the throne by way of death on a cross. Peter couldn't take it. It was the most jacked up version of Star Wars he had ever heard. And he told Jesus to be quiet and Jesus said, get behind me. Your brain is thinking on the wrong things. So today I pray that your brain would think on the right things. That you would rest in the fact that God would send his son to die for you. That, that his love for you is unshakable. No matter what you've heard, I will sit down with any priest or bishop, or other pastor, or cult leader, or, or a- anybody from any religion. If you're like saying, how does this jive with what I've learned? I will sit down with a, uh, the head of anything, and I will talk to them with you, and I'll say, here's, here's where Christianity is different. You do nothing. He brings everything. All you do is give up. You say, I can't do it. My life is meaningless. I'm chasing empty things. I need you. This is the difference between Christianity and the others. In the other religions, God's sitting up high and he says, keep going, you'll finally reach me if you try hard enough. Christianity is the only one where God himself came down and says, you're never going to make it, so I'm going to come down there, strap you on my back, and get you up here myself. All we do is deny the things that we're searching for meaning that are leaving us on these empty treadmills, and we cling on to the thing that your soul was made for. It's much easier, but Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for amazing technologies that we have at our fingertips to learn about you. Bible apps on our phone, YouTube videos to explain the Bible in crystal clear ways to us, sermons that we can listen to through wireless earbuds running around exercising. Lord, help us to leverage these things to help us set our minds on the fact that we are deeply and truly loved. And help us, God, to be so impacted by your love for us on the cross that we can finally let go of these other things we're chasing after, that we could do what the Bible says and deny ourselves and follow you because you are who our soul was made to be with. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.